are Seraphim. Hi everyone and welcome to the Generation Space podcast. Today I'm excited to welcome John Serafini. John has over a decade of experience investing in and leading national security orientated technology companies. Having founded and scaled 10 such high growth startup companies in his career, John is presently the CEO of Hawkeye360, leading developer of space-based radio frequency, mapping and analytic capabilities. Hi, John. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for having me on today. Hi, thanks for joining me. And I'm also pleased to welcome back to the podcast, CEO of Seraphim Space, Mark Boggett. Mark is a specialist space tech investor. Um, he's an observer at Hawkeye360. Hi, Mark. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Generation Space today. So we've got over 100 portfolio companies in the broader Seraphim portfolio, but Hawkeye is hugely differentiated. So I'm thrilled to be talking today to John about what makes Hawkeye 360 one to watch. Well, let's get straight to the questions for John. John, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into space? My background's a U.S. Army infantry officer for a number of years, a West Point graduate. And I left the service in 2006 timeframe, spent some time in, in business school and defined for myself an interest in being a venture capital investor for early stage companies, technology companies, but those that were focused on solving what we refer to as dual use challenges. So challenges related to defense, intelligence, security questions, um, but also have large addressable markets on the commercial side. So that lends itself to technology areas like cybersecurity and robotics and eventually artificial intelligence and data science and ultimately, uh, per my career, space. I found a, a niche for myself for the past about 15 years in building companies from scratch where we'd identify interesting intellectual property, sometimes originating from a, a federal laboratory in the United States or a university, and coupling that with high-quality management teams and access to capital from my old venture capital firm to give birth to interesting dual-use national security-oriented technology companies. And, and I did that about 10 times over the past few years. Uh, the last two companies, one was referred, uh, named, is named BridgeSat. It's now called BridgeCom, which is building optical connectivity capabilities in low Earth orbit. And the second was Hawkeye360 which was a collaboration with a number of different founders that I'd had a chance to work with in the past. And that all led me to, to the beginning of Hawkeye about eight years ago and in the interest of wanting to run the company full time. Fantastic. Thanks, John. You've led into my next question. I was going to say, what, what's the history of Hawkeye and how, how did that all begin? Sure. So the history really actually goes back to a different portfolio company, one named Federated Wireless, which is still doing great things today in spectrum sharing, but it gave me an opportunity to work with Dr. Bob McGuire and Dr. Charles Clancy, both of whom at the time were at Virginia Tech, specifically at the Hume Center for National Security and Technology, which is a, effectively a, a university affiliate research center for the Department of Defense. Charles and Bob and I had worked together at Federated, built a, a rapport and a relationship and a and an interest in each other's capabilities. They were building phenomenally interesting new technologies at the Hume Center that increasingly became interesting in the space domain, particularly working with various entities within the US government to explore the use of small satellite platforms for signals collection, which traditionally has only been done in the classified environment. And it really is the domain of our U.S. government's defense industrial base, Boeing, Lockheed, Northrop, Raytheon, et cetera. Um, and the concept that we developed back in 2015 timeframe was 
if you can take images or if you can communicate using commercial assets, why can't you do that as well in the signals domain? We had seen that companies like Digital Globe, now Maxar, and Planet and Black Sky were building commercial imaging satellites. And you had a whole suite of synthetic aperture radar commercial companies like ISI and, and Capella that were doing that as well. Well, could we do that on the signal side and build small satellites, take advantage of the, the technological improvements and the reduction in launch cost to be able to build sensing satellites for the signals domain? Um, and that was the, the original idea. We teamed up with a third co-founder named uh, Chris DeMay, who was more of an operator. He came from the National Reconnaissance Office. And together we, we started Hawkeye back in the 2016 timeframe with a, a seed round check from my venture capital firm at the time, which was Allied Minds. So since 2016, um, how has the organization grown? What scale are you at today and how many employees and where are your offices? How much funding have you currently raised to date? Yeah, so it's been a lot uh, in the past seven or eight years. We've raised seven institutional financing rounds, totaling just over $300 million. I'm very proud. I don't just say this because Mark is on the line, but I'm very proud that we have some of the world's best institutional investors associated with, with Hawkeye. And those are venture capital firms, growth equity firms, sovereign entities, um, and of course, uh, strategic investors as well. We're pleased to have Raytheon, Airbus, Lidos and Jacobs and Esri, all as investors on our cap table. So we've had a lot of success with building something differentiated from a fundraising perspective. We've also built and now have launched 21 satellites that are on orbit. Our satellites are unique. They fly in clusters of three. So we have seven clusters of three satellites each on orbit. They fly in, uh, in formation with one satellite out front, one satellite in the back, and then a third that oscillates in between. And these satellites are uniquely equipped with software-defined radio payloads that allow us to geolocate and identify signals, signals basically between uh, about 30 megahertz all the way up to 18 gigahertz, and in the future will be going up to 40 plus gigahertz. But if it, if it emits above a watt in power in that range with our software-defined radio configuration and our antenna farm on, on these, these satellites, we can detect it. We can geolocate it down to a couple hundred meters, in some cases a little more, depending upon the signal. We can process that RF data and we can then convert it using our processing and our geolocation and our data science capabilities into actionable intelligence products about the world around us. It's principally a defense, intelligence, and security mission. You know, that's really ultimately where the money is in new space. And that's where the domain demand is for the kind of work that we do. So the vast majority of our work is supporting the U.S. government, defense, intelligence, and security customers. But then about 50% of our work is supporting their equivalents um, outside in the, in the air national arena. Thank you. What about employees and what, where, where are you based? Where, where are Hawkeye based? The company is headquartered in Herndon, Virginia, just a stone's throw from the National Reconnaissance Office and from a number of our other important U.S. government customers. We have today 155 employees, amazing individuals across the technical and, and uh, in sales fields, but most of them are, are building spacecraft, designing spacecraft, processing RF data analyzing that RF data and converting it into an actionable product roadmap that we can provide to our customers. 
in our case, our value proposition really it, it evolved. You know, we we see ourselves as principally an augmentation to national systems, both for the U.S. government and for international customers, where we can provide data as a service, data analytics slash data science as a service that's cost effective, low risk because the, the the U.S. government taxpayer is not taking the risk to build these satellites and put them on orbit. That's really it's our cap table of $300 million plus of private investors who are taking that risk to, to build this infrastructure. But it's also, it's commercial and it's shareable. We can release our data and our data science products into the, into the public domain. We can share them with our coalition partners. We can share them freely within the U.S. government on Capitol Hill with our lawmakers and in the executive branch. But we can also put them into the media outlets. And we've done that multiple times over to highlight what we identify as nefarious or, or illicit behavior, particularly with, with illegal fishing and human smuggling, drug trafficking, some of the other horrific human tragedies of the common that occur around us. Fascinating. Thanks, John. What is Hawkeye doing that's so important? And how does that help support the new space economy? So if, if you've been following along, you, know, you figured out that you know, we're really focused on defense intelligence missions, um, and there's no shortage of geopolitical volatility around the world where we can provide uh, exceptional value. We, we do tactical intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance value to our customers, where we're identifying signals of interest, be it X-band radars or S-band radars or push-to-talk radio systems or L-band satellite phones or a variety of different beacons that we can detect both in the maritime environment and in a terrestrial environment. And then we're analyzing that data and using it to produce reports and intelligence about the world around us to provide our customers with increasing levels of situational awareness. We based our company really on three pillars since the beginning. And it's, it's remained constant. One is we want to, to be able to provide the full value chain. You know, we wanted to design our own spacecraft. We wanted to, to build them in-house, which we do today. We wanted to work with partners to launch them, but then we wanted to operate that constellation ourselves. And we uniquely wanted to be the ones to process all of that data and convert it into actionable insights and actionable data for our customers rather than working with partners who do all of the downstream analytic work. We wanted to do that in-house. So full value chain was kind of statement number one. Statement number two was um, we wanted to focus on where the money is, which really is around defense intelligence, principally with the U.S. government. And I like to say that you can't minor in U.S. government sales. You have to be all in. You have to define yourself as a government vendor. That means you have the the clearances, you have the, the right people, the relationship with the prime contractors like Lockheed, Raytheon, Boeing. You have the cleared infrastructure. You have the ability to work with a variety of different U.S. government customers, some of which are very difficult to be able to reach given the nature of their work. And so we built that uniquely from the beginning um, to be capable of servicing those customers. And then the third constant or, or kind of foundational pillar was the belief in service. And we'll talk in a minute about what really drives Hawkeye, but ultimately for us, the biggest thing that we can do, the most important thing is, is mission accomplishment. It's customer success. And we wanted to embody those principles within Hawkeye by making sure that our that our employee base understood the, the need for service, that they had a background in having served. And so over half of our 
of our employees have either served in the military and the U.S. government, have been in the defense industrial base, been an employee there, have worked on Capitol Hill, have been an employee of the U.S. government directly, or have in some way otherwise served our nation. And that, that concept of, of service is really important to our company. That's really interesting, John. Thank you. Mark, I'll go over to you. What makes Hawkeye stand out from an investor perspective? So Seraphim's a specialist investor, and this puts us in a privileged position in relation to the space industry because we've got an information asymmetry over the emerging private companies in the global market. So that means that we can identify the competitors and we can actually have a sort of deep understanding of what their capabilities is. So we really were able to understand the standout capabilities of, of Hawkeye relative to its competitors, the fact that they had the biggest constellation that enables more revisits to a single spot on Earth each day, and the latency that they have, the speed in which they can get the insights into their hands of their customers. So at the point that we were investing, we were able to prove um, from a sort of tech capability and functionality that they were provably market leading. However, this is really only part of the story. For us, first and always first is the capabilities of the management team, starting with the, with the CEO. And as you've heard, John's uh, background, he's a, he's a former airborne ranger, an army, army infantry officer, a graduate of the US Military Academy and the Harvard Business School. So this background shows in the rigor of how the Hawkeye business is managed. It also shows when the company faces challenges how issues are methodically dealt with in a calm but serious manner, but also importantly, how all of that is reported to the board and and on to further shareholders. So we got ourselves really comfortable with the the leadership. Um, Other members of the leadership team, Rob uh, Reinhardt, uh, Alex Fox, they bring a certain maturity to the processes and capabilities of the business. One way we often measure businesses is by the company that they keep in terms of their board members and advisors. So Hawkeye scored off the chart in this regard, um, starting with Art Money, a long-term board member who is one of the most senior figures from the US defense and intelligence community. They've also got an advisory board that reads like the who's who of defense and intelligence leadership globally. And another important consideration was the relative strength of the other investors in the round and the existing shareholders. John has uh, identified a number of those investors. Companies like Razor's Edge and Night Dragon were already on the board from previous rounds. These are really serious players in the defense domain and were deeply involved with driving the business forward. And the final consideration is really around who we're investing alongside. We co-led this round alongside Insight Partners one of the world's largest growth investors. So with a combination of this investor group, we had real confidence that this business had the capability and the resource that it needs to meet its future capital needs. So this was was the key reason why we invested into this business. But I actually just wanted to, uh, to pick up on a point that I just made there, John, which is about how you manage your board and extract value from the board members and the advisory board members. I can honestly say that um, Hawkeye 360 stands apart in this regard. Can you say in a few words to the audience about how you get the most out of your board? You know, while we're a relatively young company, it's still a, a private entity, uh, only seven or so years old, we do try to manage and run our board like as if we are a public company, which means that we're trying to 
to push a lot of the board-related work down to the committees. So we have today three uh, committees, one compliance committee that deals with obviously matters of compliance, but also classified contracts, Uh, a second that works on all matters related to compensation, and a third related to audit and finance. And each of our board members and a number of our board observers play and sit on these different board subcommittees. And it's important to us that we have strong managerial engagement with the different subcommittees. And a lot of the important work gets done in the subcommittees themselves rather than trying to handle that all at the board level, which becomes overwhelming. So as the company has matured, we put a lot more emphasis into the subcommittee work. And then having the subcommittee chairs who are setting the agenda and moderating the the work that's being done, back brief or out brief to the Uh, to the full board, along with the subcommittee's approval of various different initiatives and agenda items to the full board such that they can be approved at that level as well. But I think that the work that we've done in disseminating uh, that, that effort down to the subcommittee levels has been really helpful. That's one. The second is never allow your, your board members to be surprised. So we, we have a constant stream of communication with our board members, whether that's at the, the board meetings themselves or at mid-quarter check-ins or just a weekly call to say to a board member, hey, here's a quick update. We try to over-communicate, over-communicate with information that's relevant to the board at the board's level and leave the tactical level work to the, the management team. But we never want to be under-communicating with board members and let someone be, be surprised. And so it's often that uh, before a board meeting, I'll do a call with each of our board members individually beforehand to make sure that they have a chance to hear some of the most salient items that require board attention beforehand and such that they can they can have a chance to express their questions, concerns, comments, et cetera, in an easier environment where they're not exposed to everyone else in the board at the same time. So I think that those those three items, plus you know, making sure that the that we do a lot of work in the management team level with our quarterly business reviews before the board ensures that the board's receiving high quality information that they can make decisions on. So we have a quarterly business review process that typically happens about a week before the board meeting where we as the management team evaluate the performance of all sectors of our company, reviewing each division's work and that all feeds up into a report that I review, check off, evaluate the, the metrics for success off of our own scorecard for the business. And that becomes the basis of the board deck that then gets presented a week later. Thanks for sharing that, John. John, can you tell us a little bit about the addressable market? What about the size of it? And help us to understand what level of revenues you expect to have in about five years time. Well, I'll dance around the revenue question, Leah, because I never <laughs> want that kind of information out there publicly unless I absolutely have to. But we're doing great. We're hitting a stride where with 21 satellites on orbit today and a revisit rate on the time at which our satellites can be overhead is down under an hour. So that creates a lot of tactical relevance for us. And at the same time, we've been steadily decreasing the latency, i.e. the time from the collection of the data to the time in which it's delivered to the customer, getting that down to also well under an hour for our priority collections. That's crucial. With those two things in place here in 2023, we can start to meet just about all the requirements of our customers across the U.S. government and international, which will allow us to start to to very much ramp our revenues to where we think and not too, too far from now, we'll be in a place where we can take this company into the public markets. That being said, we also enjoy uh, a very large TAM. 
And it's a TAM that hasn't yet been, quote unquote, disrupted by commercial entities. It's also going to be a different TAM approach than what you normally hear with your listeners in terms of space ecosystem. We're, while we do have satellites in space, those satellites are a means to the end of collecting unique RF data that's never before been commercially available. It's not who we are as a company. We're not really a, a space company. We, we think of ourselves more as a, a, an RF-centric, signals-centric big data science company where we're taking this enormous RF data and we're converting it into actionable insights that haven't before been commercially available. When you look at it from that perspective, it opens up a whole suite of different market opportunities that hitherto for have never had a commercial entity at scale come in, try to disrupt. That includes signals intelligence, electronic intelligence, tactical ISR, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance, Collectively, you're in the 60 or so billion dollars worth of market opportunity, long dominated by the likes of Lockheed, Northrop, Raytheon, et cetera, using the traditional cost plus contract vehicles that the U.S. government and other governments have have relied upon for decades. So we're not only bringing new innovation in new technologies fueled by the, the sensors that we have in space, but we're bringing a new business model to these market sizes that allow us to sell faster, more efficiently, and to be able to offer our data and data analytics to a much broader sort of customers because of the the commercial nature of what we build and the releasability of our data. Thanks, John. What about competitors? Do you have different competitors across different markets? Who are are your potential competitors? This is not a commodity offering, right? No one's ever done commercial RF sensing and geolocation from space before. It's it's always been the domain of the defense industrial base, and a lot of the work that's being done is, exists in the classified environment, which we can't talk about. When most investors, I'd say just about all investors at this stage of our development, dig in on the company, the number one feedback I get almost immediately from these thoughtful investors is, hey, Hawkeye is, a, is an industry of one. You guys are a category killer. You've got 21 satellites on orbit. You're financed to get to 60 satellites on orbit or 20 clusters. You've got all of the processing and the geolocation and the data science, intellectual property. You've got the product roadmap. You have the the right customers lined up or you're engaging with the right anchor customers and you're scaling with them and you're hitting meaningful requirements. So there isn't a whole lot of room, Leah, for a competitor to come up behind us, particularly a competitor that's not a U.S. company. The kind of work that we do tends to be sensitive if not classify work, and it's very difficult for foreign companies to be able to insert themselves into that paradigm. So given the relationships that we've built, the customer engagement, and the know-how that we've scaled from majoring in U.S. government sales, like I mentioned earlier, you can't minor in U.S. government sales, you have to be all in. Because of that whole paradigm, it makes it very difficult for someone to come up behind us and try to copy what we've done. That being said, we do recognize as we are successful, in convincing government customers who traditionally would take all of their requirements and put them into a a cost plus contract using a traditional FAR 15 contract vehicle with a a Lockheed or Northrop or Raytheon to do that in a different manner, to take some of those requirements instead of providing them to the traditional defense industrial base to say, hey, we want to use commercial as a service. We want Hawkeye to satisfy X, Y, and Z requirements that that ultimately is going to put us on a pathway where we can be seen as competitive to certain entities that have been doing things differently. Our goal is, like everyone in the defense industrial base, is to be a competitor, 
right? You compete with, with some entities on some contracts and programs, and you partner with them on a variety of others. Sometimes we're going to try to be the prime contractor. Uh, sometimes we're going to be a sub. Sometimes we're going to be a data provider. Sometimes we want to build dedicated assets for certain customers. It, it all depends upon the condition, the customer requirement, with a goal to meet as many different customer needs as possible, either ourselves directly or by the use of, of our partner network. And that's one of the reasons why we have so many strategics involved with the company. You know, Raytheon, Airbus, Lidos, Jacobs, Esri, they not only bring us new technologies and new value propositions and new way of thinking on our board, but importantly, they open up markets that otherwise it would take us a long time to be able to get access to or new customers. Airbus is a great example. You know, the Series B round Airbus investment, they led our Series B round opened up 30 plus European Union customers for us to move into really rapidly. Otherwise, we would have to have built a lot of sales infrastructure, a lot of sales team in that area, which is expensive to do. But rather, we could use our Airbus partner to get to places like Poland, places like Estonia faster than we would if, if we did ourselves. Thanks, John. Sounds like a great place to be. Um, what about Hawkeye's achievements? What makes you proud? What's your biggest achievement so far? You know, certainly getting 21 satellites on orbit is is a major accomplishment. It's an even bigger accomplishment to say we have 21 satellites that work, right? So everything that we have launched, even our Pathfinder cluster is up there today, three, four years later. In the case of the Pathfinder, it's four years. It's meaningfully past its, its original expiration date. It's all working. It's working great. Yeah, there's been hiccups and things that we've had to, to manage around, but that's normal. But you know, by and large, I'm very proud of the fact that we're building meaningful satellites. These are 35 kilogram size spacecraft that can do a lot of hard things. We're moving to a bigger bus over time. And all those satellites are doing what we thought they would do when we built them, which is unusual in our new space environment. I'm definitely proud of that. And I'm certainly proud of the work that we're doing in the tactical environment operationally around the world. I can't get into specifics given the nature of our customers and the kind of work that we do, but it's really, I'm very proud as a former infantry officer to know that we are creating value for our nation's soldiers, the warfighters, the analysts, and the decision makers that by utilizing Hawkeye capabilities, they're getting valuable data and data science products that they can use to make best decisions possible about the situations around them. That gives me a lot of, a lot of pride. If I could just chime in here as well, just to shine a light on a different part of the business, one that I'm particularly proud to be involved with, relates to your services focused on illegal fishing. So uh, around the world, boats wait on the edge of prohibited waters and turn off their AIS beacons to go dark when it's time for them to undertake their illegal fishing. So the Hawkeye solution gets alerted when a boat goes dark and then follows that vessel by monitoring its um, RF signals. And this is effectively an audit of the vessel's fishing activities. And then this is an audit that's then used to hold these bad actors to account. So illegal fishing is a $25 billion per year industry that Hawkeye is going to help to eliminate. And then it goes on beyond that. I mean, John, John referenced this before, drug transportation, people trafficking. These are all areas where Hawkeye's capability is going to be able to shine a light on these, uh, these, these areas of the oceans where this kind of illicit activity is undertaken, supporting Coast Guard services to address crimes that are really hard to detect. 
So this is one of the areas that we were particularly excited to see this business focused on. Thanks for adding that, Mark. John, how do you define success for yourself and for Hawkeye? It's really easy. It's mission accomplishment. We focus on servicing a number of customers that do hard things within the U.S. government and our associated international allies. They live in, and operate in environments with very little margin of, uh, for error. And if we're going to be trusted to provide them with actionable insights, data, it has to work. It has to work the first time and every time. What we put into the market's got to be bulletproof. And that's, that's an anomaly compared to normally the mindset of most Silicon Valley type startup companies, which are more focused on minimally viable products, just getting something out there, knowing it might not work, but iterating on until it succeeds. That's an anathema to us at Hawkeye. Given the nature of our customers' requirements, given the nature of the work that they do and the importance of their missions, for us, the really, the thing that matters the most is about making sure that those customers are taken care of every time. And what about milestones? What are some of the exciting milestones that are coming up next for Hawkeye that you can tell the audience about? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're focused on launching satellites. Every quarter, we'll have a launch going up of three satellites. That's a cadence that's supportable from our our manufacturing side. It's uh, supportable from our launch partners and it's supportable with the amount of capital that we've raised. Ultimately, that leads us to be about 20 clusters on orbit within the next three years or so. And at that scale, you're down around a 10 minute revisit rate anywhere on earth with an accompanying latency of about 10 to 12 minutes to get that data to the, to the ground. So that's really important. At the same time, we've been making huge strides in our our product and our, our data science roadmaps. So being able to create actionable insights around the maritime environment, the battlefield, the border environment, even the space environment, those are all things that we'll be bringing to the market in the near future. And we're definitely excited about that. And then internally, we have a huge amount of work going on with improving our processing and our, our geolocation capabilities, looking at the wide range of different signals that we can collect being able to step across different spectrum bands to see lots of different signals that might be of interest to our customers and to be able to do that simultaneously rather than just looking for one signal at a time. So there's a lot of innovation that's occurring at Hawkeye. None of that's going to ever be put out into the public domain when we hit it, but it's work that we're doing internally and we're excited about. Exciting times. Mark, I think you might have touched on this mentioning legal fishing, but what else excites you about the business, about Hawkeye? Well, it's largely been covered by John. You know, this is a giant addressable market and a, and a rapidly growing market. And uh, Hawkeye is, um, has positioned itself at the leadership of this market. And they are producing data and insights from that data that have never been um, available before. And they're producing that at scale. But one of, the, one of the things that really excites me is about what happens next. It's about the fusion of this data with other data sets, that's other data sets from space or it's other uh, terrestrial data sets that I believe that's going to drive even more growth and potential use cases for their technologies and solutions. So we, we see this is a seven-year-old company, but we see this business scaling to become a very significant business. Yeah, Mark brings up a great point there, Leah. It's not just about the signals data by itself that makes us so attractive. It's about the relationship with other different modalities. So what's referred to as tipping and queuing, which is basically communicating on orbit autonomously between different platforms is crucial. That's the multi-int story that we're all moving towards. If RF is out front looking for signals, identifying human behavior, 
Because keep that in mind. Whenever you see a signal, it's uniquely an, a marker of human behavior, human intention. Like a, a bear doesn't key a mic. A, a pun doesn't emit RF. Naturally, when you see RF from space, we know that that's a human. And then we can tie that to a specific emitter and then tie that to a specific asset, be it an aircraft or a vessel or a military Andy or a satellite phone. And then we can track and analyze that signal over time and measure its pattern of life, measure its identity and track it with chain of custody. All of that can be done out in front of the other modalities like electro-optical imaging and synthetic aperture imaging and hyperspectral imaging, a variety of other modalities for intelligence collection where we're identifying the thing to look at we tip over to those imaging satellites, and then we bring all that data together into our platform that has a multi-int orientation so that our customers receive not just the signals information about what's going on in that maritime environment or that terrestrial environment or that battlefield environment, but they're also getting the imaging to help make it more intuitive and easier to understand. What about profits? Can you talk about profits? Can you tell the audience when you think Hawkeye will go into profit? I hear that's important to investors. Yes. Um, so, you know, early in a company's life, you're really focused on hitting your first revenue and then hitting scalable revenue, proving out the unit economics that you can that you can produce a service, a good, a product profitably on a gross margin basis, and then ultimately that you can do it on EBITDA basis. For us, it's an additional step up. It's not only EBITDA profitability, it's also free cash flow profitability because when you're building satellites and you're building infrastructure to collect that data, you also have to worry about the CapEx associated with building all of that. So we have those in front of us. Um, we're focused on getting to EBITDA break even in the next 12 months or so. We think we're on the right pathway to get there. And then we're thinking free cash flow break even likely is in a 2025 timeframe. And that lines us up, we think, for an entry into the, the public markets at the end of 25, maybe early 26, depending upon the state of the economy and whether or not the, the vaulted IPO window is opened or shut. You recently launched uh, new satellites this year. In fact, you're on a roll. You've had uh, several launches of, uh, of satellites this year. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, these new satellites, what these new clusters mean for Hawkeye, and perhaps just looking forward, what, what else is coming down the pipeline later this year? Well, we're an innovative young company, but we don't have a very innovative or interesting uh, nomenclature for our satellites. It's, you know, cluster one through seven. So we just launched cluster seven a couple of weeks ago. That cluster is now up there. It was a beautiful launch uh, through SpaceX um, on the last transporter mission. And now we're in the process of commissioning those satellites, getting them into formation, testing out their, their signals collection capability, their propulsion systems, et cetera. So far, everything is working great. The way in which we build satellites is we build them iteratively. It's the same baseline design, but because we're building them in-house, we can modify them somewhat to provide additional functionality to get additional collection capacity, to get greater signals collection bandwidth coverage, to be able to do other interesting things in space that we couldn't do with previous iterations. So this cluster seven has got some new functionality to it that we're really excited about. This is the first cluster that we've actually built in-house with the hardware, the, the, the satellite bus itself. Previously, we had worked with our partners at Spaceflight Laboratory to have them produce the satellite bus. We would always build the payload, but now we're doing the manufacturing in-house with their SFL design and doing the payload integration and making that satellite cluster ready for launch. All that for the first time was done with cluster seven. And so we're so proud 
of the great performance so far of this cluster. And we're looking forward to getting lots more clusters up there in space in the near future. Thank you, John. That's fascinating stuff. And good luck to Hawkeye for the future. And thanks for Mark for joining me again. We are Seraphim.